Welcome to Army Fitness. My name is Dwayne and I'm your host. Today is all about CrossFit and we have the 16th fittest man in South Africa, Michael van Tonder, as our guest. Michael is a biokineticist, a sports scientist and a business owner. We're going to be speaking about his athletic journey into CrossFit from rugby and how the general population can get involved. Tonda, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks. I love your shirt. Thank you. CrossFit, boom. Yeah. Big exactly. in, in the open, just uh, tells everybody what we're speaking about today. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about CrossFit. Um, I actually want to know about your journey. You've got such an interesting story, and maybe we should go back a bit. So let's go back into your rugby career and um, touch on that. Why did you go from rugby and how did it land up being CrossFit? Yeah, so um, I grew up playing rugby, cricket, athletics, all the sports that a young boy can do in South Africa. And um, I went through the ranks and I played competitive rugby. I think the first time I played proper, proper competitive rugby was um, under 18 Academy Week. I made the Western Province Academy Week under 18 after trying for years and years to make a provincial side. Um, I went to Paul Boys High School, which is um, like a breeding grounds for props in South Africa. So um, I had good coaching and yeah, eventually made it to the under 18 side. And the year after that, I played under 19 Curry Cup for Western Province, um, where I picked up a few injuries and um, yeah, I was, I had a, a shoulder up at the end of the year. So that put, put me back a bit. Um, I didn't get a contract to play senior level rugby but um, I went to study. I went to study sports science, uh, BA sports science. Hopefully, um, or I was aiming to get into a biokinetics degree. I played a bit of Marty's under 20, Young Guns, and eventually made it to the first science, playing club rugby, uh, after a few years. And yeah, then my rugby career came to an end, injuries and uh, life things happened. And then I was stuck. I've always enjoyed conditioning. I sometimes enjoyed conditioning more than the rugby itself, the conditioning uh, sessions. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I love the, the science behind um, what your body can do and how far you can push your body. And, uh, and I was always pushing the limits. So I started playing around in the gym and found CrossFit. Um, yeah, I, actually, I started doing weightlifting, in Olympic weightlifting under 19 so we had like power cleans mm -hmm. all your movements that you can do that won't necessarily hurt you that doesn't require all the skills like squat snatches and squat cleans and uh, a lot of overhead stuff that can cause injury if you don't do it right we did power cleans and power snatches and stuff like that so i got a good um, base in weightlifting and then i started weightlifting when i was 22 years old that was in 2016 after i stopped playing rugby um, and I just loved it. I, it was it was super technical. No one coached me. I coached myself from watching YouTube videos. And um, eventually, I came across a CrossFit video. And then I was like, okay, what's this? What's this? My brother was actually doing CrossFit for about a year before me. And I was also I was always tuning him and saying, oh, what is this cult? And it's a bunch of uh, egoistic oaks just toying in the gym and shirts off and you know. Uh, all the boots and um, yeah, if, 
I, start, I did my first CrossFit workout by myself in the Saspi gym there at Marty's. And it was a 2159 thrusters on 40, 40 kgs, which is 95 pounds, and uh, bar-facing burpees. And it killed me. But I loved it. I loved the feeling lying on the floor, um, absolutely dead, but it felt so good. Mm -hmm. And from there on, I just started doing more CrossFit workouts that I could find online. And eventually, I took the leap and I joined the CrossFit gym in, when was that? October 2016. And that was my first introduction to a CrossFit gym. 2016. That's a short space of time. I mean, we're in 2020 now, and I looked on the statistics this morning. The South African um, leaderboard says that you're sitting at 16th place in the country out of about 2,000 participants. Yeah. So that's brilliant. Thanks. It really yeah. is. Um, I've been watching you now for the last two years and just looking at your CrossFit journey, and I think you have got what it takes to become a professional athlete. I think you could do this as a career. You know, and I've watched and trained with a lot of good athletes. Um, yeah, so I think for me, you are one of the guys that I really do believe can take it all the way. If you're serious about it and mm -hmm. if you stick with it, um, it needs to become and encompass your whole life like it sort of has for you. So, yeah, you are on the way to making it happen though. And it's going to be an exciting journey for us to stick with you through it and, you know, watch the whole process and all your successes unravel in front of us. Um, let's go back a little bit more. So, you know, your body obviously had to change a lot. You said you were playing prop. Yes. So prop, heavier position. Obviously, you don't want to be carrying around excess weight for CrossFit, but in, as a prop, it obviously helps you to be as heavy as you can be. Um, how did that all happen? How did you lose all the weight? And also, what was that transition like from going from that type of training to the CrossFit training? All right, so let's start right. Let's go from the beginning. I was, um, I was always an active kid, but I had an eating problem. So I would literally just chow whatever um, my parents gave me. And I grew up with um, lots of bad stuff like sweets and chocolates every night and chips. And even though I was very active, I was overweight. Um, I was almost obese if it wasn't for all the sports I played. Mm. So I was probably at my prime uh, when I was 17, I weighed about 115 kilograms, um, which was also almost uh, some of my best rugby playing careers, which is quite funny. Uh, rugby playing um, periods when I was 17, 18, 19. Over the years, as the conditioning got more and more professional and we did more of the conditioning, I slowly went into eating more healthy, healthier foods. Obviously, I was in res at Paul Boys, so you only had a choice of uh, meat and veg, even though the quality of the food wasn't great, you had to eat your veg, otherwise you wouldn't get more food, you know. So I started eating veggies in high school and I went to res and um, always, lo always loved meats. But the main thing was the nutrition change and obviously a little bit more conditioning. I was weighing 110, 111 when I was 18, 19 and then as the years went on, um, I slowly lose the weight. Now the big, the catalyst of the, the weight loss was actually going from eating whatever was given to me at the Western Province Rugby Institute. Even though it was healthy, we just ate a lot of food because we needed, we needed to put on weight, we needed to be strong, and we trained a lot. But there was no, there was no calculations or I w you didn't eat mindfully. You just ate whatever you thought would give you energy 
or it would give you strength for your training. And at the end of that year, once I had my shoulder up, um, I went back home. It was the end of the year, and my mom and my brother actually went on to banting a couple of months before that. And then as soon as I got home, went on to a banting diet, and in two months I lost 10 kgs. So it was literally just um, cutting out high pros processed carbs. Uh, not all carbs, because I was still training, even though I was uh, in a sling, I was training on the bike and I was doing legs and lunges and doing a lot of core and, and lower body work. And yeah, that's, that's how I lost my initial um, prop weight. Mm -hmm. Um, I still played prop at Marty's. I was just weighing about 106, 105 kgs, so 10 kgs lighter than what I was. Um, yeah, I was a some. What do you some, weigh today? 96, 95. Yeah, yeah. And but obviously, a lot more muscular. Yes, more muscle, a um, lot less fat. So, yeah, the the main thing was the diet because mm. I trained as hard as I do now. Um, maybe not all the rugby training doing now, but I mean, you it's can't out-train out out a bad diet. No. That's what it comes down to. Sure. But the training's totally different as well, right? Yes. Rugby-specific training versus CrossFit training. Definitely, yeah. In rugby, in the gym, we focus more on um, strength, especially for props. Mm -hmm. So strength, strength endurance. Um, where in CrossFit, there's a lot more uh, focus on gymnastic strength, power, and um, just all-around endurance, strength endurance and stuff like that. But as a prop, you always had to keep on weight to be heavy, especially me, because if, if I had to do all the conditioning back then, I would lose a lot of weight. And that's not ideal for a prop. Sure. And tell me, with the gymnastics and the skill-based stuff, that must have taken you a longer time, because obviously as a bigger guy, you know. Yes, that does, that's still, to, still till today. It's my, it's my weakness. It's something I need to work on every day to get better at. And um, it just, it took a long time. It took about six months for me to get my first muscle up. So, and that's the, if you look at skills, that's the epitome of, of skills in CrossFit is muscle ups. And the thing with CrossFit, it just keeps evolving. Exactly. And the skills keep getting harder and, and harder just and harder. gets better and better. So you just need to get more and more unbroken muscle ups and yeah. But it definitely took a toll on me, all the gymnastics. Because um, I'm, I'm not that type of person. If I have a weakness, I'll work on it every day. And your muscles and your ligaments and your uh, tendons can only take that much strain. Yeah. So if you're going to do muscle ups every day for months on end, you're going to end up getting an injury. So that's why um, you need to take breaks from all the high-skilled movements, especially for big guys like me. I mean, I was about 103, 104 kilograms when I started CrossFit, and I immediately wanted to do every, everything because I'm a competitive guy. I walked into the gym and these oaks are doing all these amazing things, um, and I wanted to try, and I tried, and I got some of it, didn't get most of it, and yeah. Um, what was the motivation for you to keep going and also to, did you know then already, I want to take this seriously, I want to try and push my limits in this sport or were you doing it just to keep fit and healthy? So like think about where you came from, so you had got to provincial level rugby, you could have probably taken your rugby career further if you had stuck with it and then you go, you join this CrossFit class, you, like you say, you weren't the best in the class 
um, I mean, if you had to rate yourself in that session of those class, where would you have considered to be? Well, I could cycle a barbell pretty good. Um, and I remember the first workout I did at the box was power clean and jerks. Um, and I actually, I think, and, and running, it was those combined. And that came about in the top, uh, with the top oaks, because I could run from rugby, mm -hmm. and I was doing a lot of power clean and jerks from my own training in, the, in Saspi Gym. So immediately from day one, I was like, oh, I can do this. And then I think it was a third or fourth or whatever session, and there was a muscle-ups um, um, programmed, and I was like, okay, let me try. And I was like, okay, no, I need to work on this. So that was the drive, is sucking at something and wanting to get better. I mean, as a, as a um, competitive rugby player, it immediately goes over. You don't, you don't le uh, lose your competitiveness. It's just a total different ball game. It takes a lot, lot, a longer time to get better at something in CrossFit than it is in, in team sports. Yeah, because it's all on you, right? It's on exactly. the individual. Your weaknesses are all exposed. Exactly. Um, if it's not exposed in this competition, it'll be exposed in that competition. It's just a matter of time. And, and in CrossFit, most of the time, your heart rate is at like 80, 85, 90% plus, and then you need to do these highly skilled movements, mm. which is, yeah, that's very hard. And when you started your first Open, do you remember where you came? Yes, um, my first Open, I was very, I was very, um, it was very daunting because, I mean, the, the thought of competing against the whole world, as I'm already a competitive guy and I, I wasn't the best, so it was very daunting. But actually the first workout played right into my strengths and it was, um, it was 17.1 and it was snatches and burpee box jump overs. And I placed, I think, 32nd in South Africa. Now, as a rookie, or this is my first Open ever, placing 32nd in South Africa was like, whoa, what's happening? I can, like, I'm on the leaderboard, you know? I, I can see my name on the first page. And um, <laughs> the next workout was something I suck at, and then I just kept on falling down. Um, but I ended 92nd in South Africa in my first Open, which was... It was good for me. It was a, It was that. It was just good, a good placing for me to say, I can do this. This is only my first open. If I work hard enough, if I never ever give up, I can climb the leaderboard slowly and slowly. And how did you climb? So that was 2017, right? Yes. So tell us about the next years. So 2018, um, I moved to Belito, and training was a little bit off from 2017 because of the bit, the move, and and starting a new job. And um, I couldn't put all the time in that I did while I was in honors year in Stellenbosch, which was, which was 2016. Uh, sorry, 2017. So 2018, I did the Open and I placed 82nd, so 10 spots better. But it wasn't that much of an, of an improvement. So 10 spots, it was okay. I remember I did the Open alone, basically, in uh, one of the CrossFit gyms in Melita, called CrossFit Kusa back then. Um, I was doing the workouts alone. I had a judge, but there was no one uh, supporting me. Um, there was no, there wasn't that community aspect that was there. My first year, when I mean, everyone's standing around you and just cheering you on and stuff. So yeah, 2018 Open was okay. I was a better athlete, um, but I wasn't improving as much as I thought I was. And you had to be in the real world. You were working for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. So I had less time to train. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and how does your job, so you're a biokineticist, yes. how does your job as a biokineticist 
Um, how has that impacted your sport? Has it helped you? What do you think? It's, it definitely helped me, yes. Um, just understanding movement and know uh, for you to have the knowledge of how muscles work, how joints are supposed to move, how your body is supposed to move. That whole sports science the knowledge. Biomechanics the biomechanics and understanding the lever systems exactly. and pulley systems. Exactly. I, um, I definitely have a, a slight advantage over other athletes if it comes to understanding the biomechanics and the physiology. The physiology will be key as well, I suppose, for like planning programs. Exactly. Periodizing and nutrition and, you know, your rest and hydration exactly. cycles. Yeah. So that's it's it's good. I mean, it's a huge advantage because other CrossFitters would need to pay coaches for that. Exactly. So I can I can, for instance, program for myself. Um, I know that let's say I have a limit a limited pressing movements, uh, gymnastic pressing movements. I can program workouts for myself that I know this and this and this will benefit me in getting stronger in pressing. It's a hard thing programming for yourself. I, I love it. But it is also hard because you're always in the back of your head, you've got your strengths. And it's always fun to do your strengths. But exactly. what we should be doing is our weaknesses. Yeah. So it's nice when you've got a coach and that is looking out for you. Mm -hmm. And you are a CrossFit coach as well. Yes. So you've done, what have you done? Level I've done one. my level one. Okay. And then I did my uh, weightlifting speciality uh, course. And then my gymnastic speciality course. Okay. Yes. And obviously now working from your own gym, which you own and run, and you've got yes. your own members there, CrossFit Zulu. Um, that was the next year, so 2019. Yes. And how did you do that year? So um, 2019, it was um, March, April. The Open was still March, April. And obviously, I had a lot more time training and training in a better environment with people. Uh, I was following a program more diligently. Um, I was following ComTrain. And uh, well, I followed ComTrain right from the start of when I started CrossFit because that was what all the competitors were we're doing at uh, CrossFit Akerstad in Stellenbosch. Um, but I just had more time and more focus on my athletic career. Um, obviously, I was also starting a box, but I mean, I had more time because I was at the box the whole time. So I think I finished 38th in, that, in 2019, the, the first Open of 2019. There was another Open in 2019 at the end of the year. That was the first time they did that, wasn't it? Yes, that was the first year when everything changed. And they uh, had two Opens. Yes, okay. so the Open moved from March, April to October, uh, September, October. Yeah. And then that was called the 2020 Open, the second Open of 2019. And that was my best finish so far. Um, I was, I placed, when was I, 16th? Mm -hmm. My goal was top 15. Um, unfortunately, that last workout with all the ring muscle-ups just kept me from, I think I was... 12 and it kicked me from 12 to 16th in one workout. So those muscle ups are still catching you. <laughs> exactly. They are. And do you think like your shoulder ops and that have had a, a role, um, you know, or is it because of the shoulder ops or is it because of a shoulder, your specific makeup of your shoulder, which is giving you a hassle doing that movement? Rugby has definitely played a role in the injuries and um, all the tackling and all the, the exposed positions that you are in rugby and all the impact on your shoulders. Um, that's definitely contributed to my shoulder injuries. Also, obviously, overdoing it in the gym, um, not listening to my body, because I'm just always pushing myself, especially when I start to CrossFit. Um, but yeah, rugby definitely contributed. I have a very, I have very good shoulder mobility and stability, but I think injuries and just repetitive stress on the shoulder 
your shoulder can only do, take that much. I mean, mm. the joint is so volatile that uh, it can only take that much stress and strain. Yeah, what op did you have there? I had a latter J, so I had, um, I had repetitive subluxations in my right shoulder. And I know it's because of me uh, having a lazy arm when I tackle. Because I never ever, well, not never ever, but I, I would have a lazy arm when I tackle with my right shoulder. And I won't wrap it around like mm. you taught to. Because I was a big guy and I had a heavy arm. Mm. So I can just throw my arm into a tackle and the guy would fall, you know. And that repetitive impact um, eventually led to subluxations. And um, I had about three or four serious subluxations where I could feel my shoulder pop out and go back in. And at the end of the, the 2019 season, I went for an for a MRI and they said, you've got um, weak ligaments. The ligam ligaments weren't torn off completely, but they said it was lax. And if I want to play rugby, I would have to get a latter J to have a solid shoulder. Um, so what a latter J is exactly is they move your, your long end of your bicep, they move it to the anterior capsule so that your shoulder can stop popping out for anteriorly. So they literally move your attachment from your coracoid process, which is about here, and they move that attachment, they take a little piece of bone off of the coracoid process and they move it to the anterior capsule and they put it in screws. So that's exactly what happened to me. So I have a different shoulder anatomy than um, me. Yeah, exactly. And when I went... Can you feel it like your right compared to your left? It is a little bit more stiff, yes. A little more tighter. Um, I've got a tight bicep long head just because the anatomy has been changed. Mm -hmm. The shoulder has a little bit more mobility than this one, especially I have to do, when I have to do um, single arm overhead stuff, like single arm overhead squats or walking lunges and stuff when the one arm's up and the other. Um, but when I went back to, to get the screws removed, because the screws was, um, it was irritating me, it was painful. And they say it happens sometimes, they just remove the screws, the bone has probably um, grown back to, the, to whatever it's attached to. Then I went back and then the guy said, okay, but the bone is dissolving. So the, the injury is like, uh, oh, the, the operation wasn't a success because the bone is dissolving. My body's eating that foreign object, mm -hmm. which it's not used to having that bone there. My body's eating up that bone. I don't even know if that bone's there now anymore, but he took the screws out. I mean, there you go, go play rugby. So yeah, I think I, think I had to call it quits after that first op. Um, if I still wanted my, my right shoulder to be 100%. But I mean, yeah, I've, I've done rehab and I do rehab every day. And if I don't warm up both my shoulders properly, I won't have a good session. Yeah, do you still, do you get any subluxations now? Does the shoulder still, you know, hinder you or like limit you from what you can and can't do? Um, physically, it does hinder me. Mentally, no, because I can push through that. Um, that physical injury I have. I can mentally push through it, especially when it comes to competitions, because that's, you just have one goal in mind and that's your strategy and how to, how to finish first or finish your best you can. Mm. Um, but yes, I, in training it does, I've got pain most of the times at certain positions when I'm overhead, especially. Okay. Yeah. Strategy, that's a good word. So let's play off that a little bit. What is your strategies when you go into competitions? I mean, talk about talk us through a little bit about the CrossFit competitions you've been involved in. So they'll throw in, 
multiple days sometimes and they'll give you this is your workout and that's your workout on this and that day but they don't always give you all the workouts right yeah. so you can't completely plan your whole strategy for the competition yeah um so there's a fine line between strategy and adapting to whatever they give you I think the best athletes have a good balance between both strategy and adapting. I mean, what happens if your if your workout doesn't go to plan? You've got to adapt, right? You've got to adapt on the spot. And that's something you need to do in training as well. You can't always strategize a workout for yourself. You need to sometimes just jump into the workout and as you go on, you can adapt to how your body's feeling, your shoulders have maybe fatigued. Um, but the best way to to learn your own strategy and learn how your body moves and what systems in your body works better than others is in training and testing out as many different uh, types of workouts as you can. Mm. So that's the awesome thing about CrossFit is there's not one thing that you can be good at or practice. Yes, you, when you learn the skills, you have to practice without fatigue, but there's millions and millions of workouts that you can just throw together combinations and you see how your body adapts and that prepares you for competition. Let's go back a little bit. I want to talk about Banting. So we have an amazing professor here in this country, um, Tim Noakes, yes. and he came up with this Banting, the real meal revolution. Is that what you did? Yes, that is. Okay, do you still do it today? No. Right. Um, Why, pros, cons, what sort of diet are you eating now and energy levels, what would you go into, you know, do you change your diet before you go into a comp or your normal training? Do you try drop weight or is that not something you consider anymore? So um, banting essentially is, it's a healthy fat, well it used to be a high fat, now it's described as a healthy fat, low carb, moderate protein diet. Um, I think it's a very, very good way to eat if you are either diabetic or you have problems with with carbohydrates, um, if, you, your, if your insulin levels are haywire, you, your body has produced too much insulin and your cells, cells have become resistant to insulin, then I think implementing a banting type diet is good for you and you will lose fat, you will drop weight. But the, the sport of CrossFit is, um, we use carbs a lot. That's our main source of energy. Um, I'm not saying fats aren't important. We do eat fat. I mean, you, your hormones have got to work. Your central nervous has got to fire. Uh, nervous system's got to fire. Um, but in the sport of CrossFit, we use majority carbohydrates. So over the years, from banting, I would say I've I followed a banting paleo-ish diet from 2013 till about 2017. I even did banting while I was doing CrossFit, and that's also how I lost a lot of weight. But then my body started getting used to banting and then I had to give it a shock, right? So I went more paleo, I dropped the fats a bit, up the healthy carbs and, and just experimented with way all the different types of diets you can. Um, so yeah, my diet consists of majority carbohydrates. So I would say between 45 and 55% carbs, depending on what time of the season I am. If I want to drop weight, if I want to maintain or if I want to um, eat for performance, which is a, it's a, there's a big difference between the three. And then fats and protein will, will be about 25 uh, to 23 each. Mm -hmm. So, Are in, you measuring this on a daily basis? Do you yes. plan your meals? So 
last year, June, um, June 2019 was when I started measuring. I experimented with counting calories and stuff in my, my school days, university days. I always experimented. But last, since last year, June, I've counted most of the days uh, for a year. Obviously, I don't get crazy and measure every everything. Um, let's say it's a Sunday lunch with family or you go to the restaurant. I'm not going to take my scale with me. There are people that, that do that, yeah. um, especially bodybuilders that they make their money off how they look. Mm. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if, you, if, you're, um, if you're an athlete, you're an athlete. That's yeah, what you do. I mean, if you're committed, you're committed. Yeah. So I won't look funny at someone at, at a restaurant with a scale. You know, I'll understand. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, counting calories, I have been eating, I've been eating in a calorie deficit or what I think is a calorie deficit for my body since then. And then at the start of lockdown this year, I think I was in a calorie deficit for too long. Um, obviously there was little breaks like holidays and stuff where you don't count and you go, you regress a little bit, but only a little bit because you'll always have an idea of what your plate should look like. Um, and then I went on to a maintenance. So I've been eating more food now and I've actually lost more weight. So I, th I always thought that, okay, 3,500 is like more or less maintenance for me. I must always eat less than that. So in a day, if, or if you look at a week, you plan your calories on the, um, your intensity mm -hmm. of the day and your volume. So Mondays, Wednesdays, uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, those are normally my hard training days. So I would eat a higher um, calorie diet or I would eat more calories, especially more carbs. Thursdays is a is an active recovery day, so I would eat slightly less carbs and a little bit more fat. Protein always stays the same. And then Friday, Saturday, I will up the carbs again and take the fats lower. And then Sunday, I would also do an active recovery day, and that's normally just a walk. So I would completely bring my calories down, not too much, but I would I would bring it down. Um, yeah, and then. That's, that's how I play with my calories and I've been, I've been experimenting and eventually came down to what I know what my body needs and how much carbs, fats and protein my body needs to perform optimally. So how many calories roughly are you having a day now? Okay, so on my heavy training days, that's normally two hard sessions a day, um, I would eat about 3,800, 3,900, depending on how strict I was on the day. Um, and carbs will be anything from 450 to 480, 490, pushing the limits on carbs. Um, protein always stays the same. I'm on 211 grams of protein. And then fats, I'm um, on 100 grams of fat at the moment. Now on my lower intensity days or my active recovery days, I would bring the fats, uh, the carbs down to about between 400 and 420. Um, I used to bring them down to about 250, 200, between 250 and 300, but that was way too little for me and I wasn't recovering from, from all the um, training, training the, the previous days. Um, so, and then protein stays the same on those days, on the lower uh, intensity days, and fats I just push up a bit to about 110, between 110 and 120. Yeah. That's a lot of calories, you know, and when you talk 4,000 calories in a day, um, I don't think a lot of people understand how hard you're training to be able to burn those kinds of calories because obviously you need the calories to recover, repair the muscle, you know, and so that you can do it all again the next day. Exactly. 
But um, yeah, people must take that into consideration yeah. when listening because you can't just go out and eat. I mean, I'm probably eating half of that. I reckon I eat around 2,000 calories a day now. Sure. Yeah, so I don't count anymore. But it's not a lot of food, eh? Just knowing what I do eat. Yeah, I mean, right now it's not, it's, I don't need a lot. Yeah. I'm not training at the level that you are. So, you know, you've got to also watch your consumption according to your movement, you know. Yeah. If you're not moving and if you're not doing the damage to the muscle where you need that many calories, then it's just be counterproductive. You're going to be putting on unnecessary weight. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I'll up that when my training gets a bit harder. And yes. And so, also, um, both of us have an active job. So you yeah. also have to take that into account. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do massages. We, we demonstrate the whole day long um, so your body needs fuel the whole time and sure. it can never run out of out of fuel otherwise you you won't recover as much mm, true yeah. i also started eating less purposefully um when i started looking into longevity and you know there's a big movement towards eating much less for yes. overall health and wellness yes and it's much less taxing on your digestive system a lot of that stuff in the digestive system that isn't um, consumed or digested at, from the enzymes you know just stays there as a byproduct and yes. you know all of our more 90 percent of our illness or sickness starts and originates from the gut and there's a big movement to the gut health yeah um, so obviously learning about all of that uh, it's a, just another thing i'm trying yeah. but as you know when you're in this industry you're trying something new all the time exactly. i mean we've got to be giving feedback to our patients and yes. our clients you've and got to experiment in every type of diet every type of training modality yeah it's, it's as a sports scientist my body is just like one big experiment. Exactly. Like, so, let's see what happens. You know, and then I, I mean, can... I've done keto, I've done carnivore, we only eat meat. Mm. Um, I haven't done veganism yet. I think I will try it just to experiment with it. Maybe not in an in a, um, important part of the season, like maybe the off season, but I want to experiment with veganism. Um, have you done the um, one day, one meal a day diet? Yes, I have actually. Um, I've done that while I was doing the carnivore diet. Mm. Um, where you would fast the majority of the day and only have one big meal at the end of the day. What did you eat? I, I had about a kilogram, or not a kilogram, that's a lot of steak, but I had a big piece of steak with egg and um, I think it was like with butter and cheese. So it was only, it was only uh, animal foods and that would fill me up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've uh, seen you eat, it probably was a kilogram of steak. <laughs> yeah, well, if you don't eat for 22 hours of the day, um, you spend... You spend the one hour eating on a piece of How steak. How many calories was that, that meal? That, that meal was about 1,500 calories. It's low, eh? Yeah. Slow. I mean, you can only eat that much food, plant food, uh, animal foods, mm. in one setting, you know? Yeah, you'll be sick otherwise. Exactly. And does do it. I mean, I can't remember his name now. I've just heard a blank. But the Oak invented Twitter and a whole bunch of things. He's okay. quite a famous dude. He still eats like that. He's been eating like that for the last couple of years. The, um, the one meal a day or the carnival? One meal a day. Okay. There's some big believers in that. Yeah. Um, Jack well, there's, Dorsey's a, his name. there's a lot of um, people following that for longevity. Mm. I mean, they're giving their um, digestive systems a break. And that was the big thing that I was trying it for as well, was mental clarity. So a lot of the studies that are done have shown that you are much more focused, sharper, alert, you know, your concentration levels go up and that yeah. when your blood's not rushing through to your stomach to yeah. be involved in digestion. Also, the hormones are like at a more constant level without the insulin spikes up yes. and down. So, yeah, that was the main reason why I was trying it, yeah. you know. Let's talk a bit about your, your company, CrossFit okay. Zulu. 
I want to know a bit about your coaching methods. You know, what do you do differently as a crossword coach, specifically knowing what you know about injuries um, as a exercise scientist and as a biokineticist, you've got such an advantage. You know, there's so many CrossFit coaches out there that are brilliant, but then you've got another whole bunch that are really shitty. And, you know, because they're doing a bad job, it gives CrossFit a bad name. Um, I, I remember when we started in 2012, CrossFit had such a bad name in this town because of all the people getting injured. You know, people would go and try it and literally injured the next day. And it, amongst us health professionals, we were like, well, we're getting so much business now. It was actually a joke, like the chiropractors, physios and bios were just, you know, getting all our business from CrossFit. But as CrossFit's changed and as the coaching has got better, obviously that's improved and it's less and less and less. And then specifically with guys like you, getting in the game and getting involved with CrossFit, knowing as much as you know, you've managed to reduce injuries and actually incorporate, you know, a lot of your rehabilitation and a lot of the right way of training into your session so people that would probably normally be injured aren't. So give us a bit of the method. Yeah, so CrossFit as a strength and conditioning uh, modality started as a way of training Navy, uh, Navy SEALs and um, the, military, the military in America. So back then it wasn't a professional sport. So Oaks would just do a bunch of highly skilled movements and try and do it as fast and as heavy as they can. So injuries, is, injuries will happen. As the sport progressed and as the first CrossFit game started and it became more professional, more science um, came, or sports science came into the sport and people started training with, with more intent, you know, uh, warm up properly, do your, your rehab before you go do muscle ups and squat snatches. So over the years, injuries have actually declined. It looks like it's, it's picking up because more people uh, are doing CrossFit. That's why it looks like everyone's getting more and more injured. So my approach to, to training, um, I wish I could go back to when, to when I started CrossFit and, and have the approach I have, that I have now. But it is literally, it's from day one, you need to have the mindset of building slowly and be, pa be patient with the skills. Um, our bodies can do a lot when we, we have a lot of in adrenaline in us, but that's not necessarily good for your, for your um, anatomy. Um, so I would say CrossFit has this, this, this triangle, the pyramid of, of the most important to the least important or just steps you need to follow to get better at movement and it's mechanics. So that's your biomechanics. That's the way you move your mobility and your coordination and all, all of those things. Then it's, it's mechanics consistency. So you need to do the right movement consistently to be able to eventually pick up the intensity and which means compete. Mm -hmm. So that's the exact same approach as I take. As a bio, I know how people should move. I, I know the, the joint um, limitations and the way the joints move and muscles move together. And that's the approach I take. Um, when someone new walks into my gym, I'll never ever throw them into a class, even if they've done um, functional training before. I'll teach them the movements we do and I'll make sure that they can do it right. If they can't, I say, you stay away from that movement and I give them an, an alternative. So from day one, when someone walks into my gym, I teach them the right way to move and how I would like them to move. Eventually, I put them into a class and I would say, um, Piti, Yani, Sunny, you guys are doing this instead of squat snatches or um, 
pull-ups, even pull-ups. People hurt themselves with pull-ups. Um, so yes, it is, it's a long journey. People want to rush it. Um, I rushed it and I've paid the price, you know, struggling with niggles a lot of the time. But yeah, that's the number one rule in, in CrossFit Zulu is that you, you won't be bullied and pushed into something that your body doesn't like and it doesn't allow. Where so, can guys find your gym? Uh, we are based in Salt Rock in Belito. Yeah, we, um, we're at the church, the Link Church. Yeah. Website? www.crossfitzulu.co.za Awesome. Yeah. And about your CrossFit journey, what's your plans for the future? How far are you going to take this? <sighs> so, I, I have big plans. I mean, I've had these plans from all these goals from when I started CrossFit. And obviously, when you watch CrossFit videos on YouTube, you watch the CrossFit games, right? And that's where we all want to end up one day. I mean, well, most of us start CrossFit having the goal of, oh, I want to do this, I want to be there. And then the more and more, or the longer you do it, you slowly realize what it actually takes to be a CrossFit Games athlete. And 0.01% of the, of the population that does CrossFit makes it there. And um, so yeah, my, my goal is to compete internationally. Um, so if it is a sanctional, I would, be, I would like to be a competitive sanctional athlete. If I get to the games, that's one in a lifetime for me. Um, I just think I'm not making any excuses now, but I think that my injuries and also my, my build, because CrossFit, a, a CrossFit athlete has a build. Um, it's, a norm, it's a shorter guy that's better at gymnastics. Um, so that's, I think that the average, the average guy is 5'10", weighing 190 pounds. That's the average for guys. I don't know what it is for, for ladies. Can you convert that in centimeters and kgs? Um, 190 pounds is 85 uh, kilograms. So it'll be divided 2.2. Yeah, 85. yeah. Mm -hmm. 85. And 5 for 10 is about 17, between 176, 178, I think. I don't know. Yes. I can't remember the foot to centimeter calculation offhand. I'll have to use a calculator. Yeah. So um, I am 96 kilograms. When I'm uh, when I leaned out and I'm I'm ready for the open, I'm I'm about 94, and I'm 184 centimeters. So that's six foot one, and 211 pounds. Mm -hmm. 208 there around about there. So I'm a slightly bigger athlete, um, but I don't have that in my mind. Um, when you get on the floor, everyone's equal. There's no weight yeah. classes, there's no height classes. I mean, some things will benefit you with that and others exactly. won't, you know, yeah. and that's the beauty of the sport. It's not just one event, it's a whole weekend of um, events to test you yes. in the most physical way. And that's, that's exactly why I do it. Because I know I'm not uh, physically built for the sport, but I'm pushing the limits every day. And that's what makes me happy, that's what, ke that's what keeps me alive, is that, uh, that constant drive to to fuel the fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, goals um, goals would be to compete internationally at sanctional events. Now, a sanctional event is um, CrossFit created these sanctional events. There's 28 of them around the world and you need to qualify via online qualifier, almost like the Open. Let, wait, let me explain exactly how to get to the games, just quickly, in a nutshell. So, in the old days, you would do the open, the whole world does the open. You can do the open, anyone can do the open, okay? So, 
if you would get into the top 40 or depending on your region, there's seven regions or there was eight regions around the world, depending on the region, you would get a spot to the regionals. Okay, in South Africa, we were part of the, the Meridian Regional and 10 athletes from Africa would get a spot to the Meridian Regional. The Meridian Regional consists of Africa, Middle East and the South of Europe. So the North of Europe has its own uh, region and it was called the European Region. The South, Middle East and Africa has a region called Mer uh, the Meridian re Region. So 10 um, the top 10 from Africa would get a spot to the, to the regionals and then at regionals there was four spots for the Meridian region to then represent at the games. So four, four people from our region would get an invite to the games, other regions there were five. And the American one was like one because it was brand nothing new. Eh, if you think about it, four people from all those countries. Exactly. It's like so, three different continents. In so the Meridian region. That was, a, that was the old way of getting to the CrossFit Games. Now, in 2019, they changed it up a bit, which I think was very good. Um, it get, gives you more opportunities. And also, it's a lot more athletes um, going to the Games, but it gives you more chance to get to the game, a better chance. So now, we still have the Open. We used to still have the Open. And then, if you're, if you're number one in your country, and your, con your country has an affiliate in... In your country like let's say Lesotho has a affiliate and they they can send one representative to the games so last year uh, when we went to the games it was the biggest game so far um, there was 200 and something guys and girls from from all over the world I mean representing the smallest of countries like from all, ar all around the world and that's the national champs now the other way is by getting top 20 worldwide that's the hardest way to get to the games because I mean you have to be the top 20 in the world to get to the games. So let's say for instance um, you're American and you're second in the world but you're first in America. You would get your national champ spot and not the top 20 spot. So that the, 20, the 21st guy in the world would then get the spot if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it just backtracks, it just goes there. So if you number one in the country, in your country, and you get 20th place you get the number one spot. Now the last way to get to the games is through winning a sanctioned event. CrossFit created 28 sanctioned events and if you if you win the, as the sanctioned event but you already have your invite to the games, the invite would go to the second guy at the sanctioned event. Or if let's say the top five all have in, invites to the games already, the sixth guy gets an uh, invite to the, to the games. So that's how um, some of the athletes ending up 6th, 7th, 8th place at a sanctioned event gets a spot to the games. So that's why I say it's, it's a little bit easier these days to get to the games, even though there's more athletes. Um, How many do they take now? Because it was 40, right? 40 men, it was 40, 40 men, 40 women and 40 teams. Mm -hmm. um, now it is, I think it was like 200 and... Yeah, I suppose it, it depends was, every year on how many countries actually enter. Yes, and if some Oaks don't get visas to go to the games okay. and then they don't invite anyone else because it's too close to the games. Mm -hmm. So it depends, um, depends. I think it's a brilliant method of finding the fittest in the world. Yeah, well. And it's the best competition in my mind to actually get your fittest human being Yeah, and you world. get tested on everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw, I love it. It was like, it's not just about weightlifting and gymnastics, you know, there's cycling, swimming, running, there's all sorts of things in there. Yeah. So yeah, it really is a brilliant sport. 
I think if it gets refined to your average user, it's also the ideal way of training for your everyday person. You know, just that we need to modify it a lot more than it is. Yes. In a lot more gyms. Exactly. And give people the mindset of, listen, we, you don't have to do it as a competition. It can be a lifestyle. Yes. And this is what it's about, you know. That's the importance of a good coach. I mean, that's it. You, you get two type of coaches. You get a cheerleader and then you get a coach. Yep. And cheerleaders like opening affiliates. <laughs> so, yeah, we need more coaches than cheerleaders. Yeah. yeah. And we need people that are realistic. Um, I actually was reading something last week where it was saying that they, there's a movement now for personal trainers and coaches yeah. to have to have a degree, which is going to change things in a big way. And I really hope it does go that way because there's too many people that have got like a CrossFit uh, course, which is only a weekend course. Mm. You can be a CrossFit coach from one weekend, you know, and I don't think that's fair because you're going and you're influencing people's lives and, you know, you could injure somebody so badly that it affects them, like injuries are hectic. We've seen it, how people change psychologically after an injury. It can really just change the whole course of your life if you take it the wrong way. And a lot of people do take their injuries in a really bad way. Mm. So yeah, I hope they do change it. I hope that you have to have a degree to be a coach or a personal trainer or be involved in this industry at the level that we are, where you literally, someone's life is in your hands. Yeah. It is, their well-being is in your hands. Yeah. Um, it's a very important job. Let's talk about CrossFit and the future of CrossFit. Obviously, it was in the media a lot recently for a lot of bad things, um, you know, but what do you reckon going forward? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. I mean, if, if your sport goes into bad times like that, you are a bit worried and stressed and stuff. Um, I think that CrossFit Inc., which is in America, CrossFit HQ, the company, I think they have to have a lot of changes for for affiliates to stay affiliated. I mean, in the first week, there was already like 200 gyms in the world that de-affiliated, de which is what's 200 times $3,000, a lot of money. Um, so big changes need to happen at CrossFit HQ for them to keep on getting the affiliates paying the $3,000. Um, mm. I think that, personally, I think that the CrossFit Games won't ever be as big as it was. Um, I think there will maybe be sanctioned events because of money. You know, you can win a lot of money at the Rogue Invitational and at Dubai Fitness Champs and at Sanction X or Sanction Y. Um, I think there will be three or four big sanctions that athletes are gunning for more than the Games. Mm. Um, at the games, you get it's like crowned. It's like its own Olympic games, really. Like, you know, like the it Olympics is. of the old, what Olympics was like back in the day where you did, one athlete did everything. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, obviously, any, everyone wants to end up at the CrossFit Games to be crowned the fittest on earth because mm -hmm. that's where you get crowned the fittest on earth. Um, I just, it's all in the, it's so unclear at the moment. Um, we don't know the future of, of the games. And as we know it, we don't even know if there's going to be an open this year. Um, so we're all waiting on CrossFit HQ to release some valuable information so that we can plan our, se our seasons, you know. Mm -hmm. um, especially with COVID and, and the lockdown and travel restrictions. And there were so many athletes that weren't going to be able to go to the Games because of travel restrictions. Um, I mean, athletes from Australia and the Europe and, and South Africa and, you know, all over the world probably would have struggled to get to America in, in August to go compete. Financially now. 
No, no, just because they're not allowed to travel because of, of lockdown and, and travel restrictions all around the world. So, but yeah, I think um, f the future CrossFit gym will not look and not be the same as it was from when it started. I think we're going to see a lot more independent uh, movements. Uh, there's already been independent movements in America. Big names de-affiliating their boxes from CrossFit and starting their own brands, or that have already started their own brand and that's just growing their own brand. Um, brands like NC Fit, which is Jason Kalipa's brand, um, Opex Fitness, Ben Bergeron's brand, which is called um, Comtrain. So they've, they've de-affiliated. We don't know if they're going to stay de-affiliated, but for now, they have gone their own route. And um, yeah, even mate, CrossFit Man from uh, Cookville, you know, the GOAT, Rich Froning. So <laughs> yeah, he de-affiliated, yeah. Really big names. And that can really hurt the sport, I think. Exactly. But um, yeah, let's hope not. Yeah. Let's hope they do something. I mean, CrossFit has changed everyone that does CrossFit's life. And everyone has been influenced positively from CrossFit. What are the ways that it's changed your life? I mean, what has CrossFit done for you that you could say to someone watching this, like let's take another 18, 19 year old person, maybe a little bit lost on what to do, or how to train after school, because that's what happens usually. You yeah. know, you train really well in school and then you finish school, like what do you do? So CrossFit is, it's more about the people in the community. It's a community you walk into. Yes, you do fitness. Yes, you, you uh, learn a lot about your body, how to eat, how to move, um, biohacks, and how to just be a healthier all-round person. But the main thing is that camaraderie in, inside of a CrossFit affiliate, which you do not get at a, at a, uh, a conventional gym, or even uh, functional training centers that's not affiliated with CrossFit. That camaraderie and the, the community aspect is not there. I mean. My best friends I have now is, is everyone that I've met through the CrossFit um, community. And I am where I am today because of CrossFit. Uh, I was down in the dumps when I stopped, stopped playing rugby. Um, I lost my mom due to cancer and I lost my grandmom uh, because of cancer as well. And that was when I started CrossFit and I found this community. I found a group of people that was there for me. Uh, I fitted in and yeah, it's amazing what it did to me psychologically and physically it's amazing that something like crossfit can like help your psyche that much especially yes. going through trauma you know like you mentioned just losing your mom and your grandmom that must have been a massive um, downer you know like a mm -hmm. huge psychological impact like how old were you when you lost your mom i was 21 years oh, old massive obviously going through your studies and yeah. going through life just becoming a man really yeah and um so the crossfit really helped you there Take your mind off things, put a new focus on. Yeah. Um, I remember when I started CrossFit, this is, a, this is a, something I don't really share to people, but I mean, it's going to be out there now. Um, when I started CrossFit and I started competing, I would always say a prayer up to my mom. And I would always tell her this is for her. And um, I would go through pain and suffer that I would push my body so far um, to try and experience the pain and suffer she went through when she had cancer. Because I remember um, times when, when she was in pain and she cried and she yelled out for help but she, I, you can just do nothing to help her because I mean there's nothing you can do mm. to help someone in pain especially from cancer and I would always say a prayer up to her and say this is for her and I would push my body as far as I can to 
to try and feel that pain that she felt. You know, so that's that, really special. That always pushed me to to just give everything I have. Mm. You know, it's amazing where you can draw that strength from. You know, yeah. Even today, probably you're still using that, and you know, thinking of your mom. That's that's yeah. beautiful. It's a good thing to do. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing your stories. We appreciate it. Appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. It's been good having you on board. Yes. And uh, we'll continue this journey. We want to learn more about CrossFit. So let's see where it goes. And we'll definitely have you back on again. Um, Maybe you'll update us on on a positive on CrossFit and where we're going with it in the future. Yeah. Good luck for the season. Good luck for the rest of the year. Um, Train hard. Don't stop now. Let's see where you can go. Finish off 2020 nice and strong. Yeah. We believe in you. And uh, we'll be watching. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's a wrap.